And welcome back to another edition of the Total Sports Live podcast here on Anchor. Um, it's been a while since we last did a podcast. I think we did a podcast, I want to say, um, late May, late last month, first week of, of June, as we talked about um, we talked about George Floyd and Black Lives Matter and, you know, just having a really deep down conversation about that. If you missed that podcast in particular, like I said, you can check it out here on Anchor, anchor.fm backslash um, TSL podcast. And also we're on the various other platforms, Spotify, we're on there as well. So if you just search Total Sports Live and hit that follow button on there you'll get everything apple podcast there's probably a whole bunch of them i know harrison set up our anchor account so i know there's a whole bunch of uh links to where you can check out not only that podcast but this one um as well as we're going to be talking about maybe the potential uh return of sports and this is uh your co-host jovan alfer and i'll be joined shortly by uh my esteemed panel uh, for for tonight's uh, podcast, and it's going to be a doozy because we when we last talked, we were talking about George Floyd, and before we were talking about the NFL draft, and the NFL draft was virtual, and we're just in the midst of the uh, coronavirus pandemic, the outbreak. We were just in the beginning of it, and you and you and you you thought that maybe things would get better, that there would be um that that we wouldn't be in quarantine so long as social and social isolation and be able you know to have socially isolate from each other and that we would flatten the curve like we've seen other countries do but that has not been the case actually the cases of coronavirus have been rising across the united states but it appears that the multiple sports leagues are Pro sports leagues here in the U.S. are going to try and restart their seasons beginning next month. The NHL, the MLB, the NBA, MLS, and WNBA have all released their restart plans, um, which involve protocols for testing and for some playing in their own uh, bubbles in the state of Florida, which will be interesting. We're going to talk more about that. Uh, however, not everybody is on board with this as the first wave of the pandemic is still wreaking havoc along with the unrest revolving around systemic racism. That all being said, we're going to talk about, you know, should these leagues even play next month? Remember, and I think this is a really harsh reality that a lot of people have to realize, and I think there are many that are, but there's still that isn't. Over 120,000 plus Americans lost have lost their lives due to this virus. It's a real thing. And it's unfathomable to think about, and this also has, a lot of players across a variety of sports really, you know, concerned not only for their well-being, but also for their, you know, for their families as well in the situation. And we're going to talk about that and all these things on uh, tonight's podcast. But before we jump into that, Lee, you know, talking about uh, baseball, joining me on the podcast is none other than Harrison Brown of Total Sports Live, Matthew Cass, Total Sports Live, Nick Earnshaw, Total Sports Live, Adil Royster, former alumni, Total Sports Live. Also, uh, he had a podcast once upon a time called The Realist, which was really real. If you ever had a chance to listen to it, that was like old school. Adil with his uh, with his uh, intro was really old school. And he's also Liberty Ballers as well. Uh, hey, fellas, thanks again for uh, joining and, you know, having this conversation about maybe the potential return of sports. I don't know if it's going to be, but we got to have a discussion about it. 
Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, it's certainly been an interesting uh, couple of months here. Uh, the sports world was right to go on hiatus uh, in March mm-hmm. when the coronavirus really kicked into overdrive. But now that we're in June and almost July uh, at the time of this recording, people are starting to get antsy. They miss sports and they miss having something else to talk about besides coronavirus. So it'll be very interesting to see, you know, what uh, what each individual league decides to do. Like you'd mentioned in the intro, some are going with full quarantine plans uh, in cities away from the virus. Uh, Others are going with rigorous testing. Uh, And I'll be very interested to see what happens, but uh, should be quite the uh, quite the go. Most definitely. No, I, I, I think as well. Thanks for having me, Joe Vaughn. It's, it's always a pleasure. Um, I really think like it's, it's been a crazy, crazy time um, getting these sports back together. So many, so much negotiation going on between all the sports leagues. Um, when we start with the MLB, it's going to be uh, that that was one of the ones that's got a lot of media attention. Um, they're they're going to start soon. It looks like uh, the NBA down in Florida that those plans could be up in the air. Who knows? The NFL getting their training camp started, uh, a lot, a lot to talk about. So uh, I'm excited to get going. Me too, me too. What about you, Adia? What do you think? Uh, any opening words from you uh, uh, about just, everything going on? Just happy to be back on with the old crew. You know, it, it, it's, it's been a while for me being on a – a Total Sports Live sanctioned podcast. It's been a while. This is true. <laughs> but no, appreciate appreciate the invite. And yeah, I got... Uh, if you follow me on Twitter, you know where my stance is. But I'll, I'll get in-depth in this podcast. So don't worry about it. The, mm-hmm. the, the, real, the realness of the realist is coming. I'll just say that much. <laughs> the real is back. <laughs> the real is back. And our last... And last but not least, Harrison, any, uh, any opening words that you have to say uh, before nah, we jump to, into it? Yeah, it's great to be here with all you guys. Great to have Adia on tonight, a real Total Sports Live uh, alumni in the flesh. And um, a lot to discuss, uh, a lot to really think about when it comes to starting these leagues back up. There's more to it than just getting back on the field. There's so many different variables with players, families, and, and the real world. Um, so a lot to talk about. Yes, Adil, also the co-founder and GM of the Not So Pro Bowl, and uh, and, and and the uh, and I think he's the general manager of the punting Purple Parrots in 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 League of the Hidden Temple. So I no, mean, no, uh, no, that would, that would be Team Africa, sir. Oh That's yes, my Team Africa. My apologies. My apologies. My apologies. Well, yeah. the Not So Pro Bowl is, is the elitist average football game in philadelphia <laughs> all year uh, you can't miss it in january can't wait to get back out there i'm not going to train until about two or three days before just yes. in, in honor of uh my my training regimen for this year's not so pro bowl which is why i, think <laughs> I can four picks i can attest to harrison right there yeah <laughs> listen i'm just telling you boys now without a vaccine there will not be a yeah that's very true facts very true i will i will be staying home we'll have to have a virtual one on madden oh that would be cool <laughs> not so probable man edition but let's get it underway uh fellas uh the mlbs after weeks and months of negotiations mlb and the mlbpa came uh, to an agreement on a 60 game schedule 
uh, which is slated to start either on the 23rd and the 24th. And before that, we're going to see another uh, spring training. We can, I guess we can call it a spring training 2.0. Uh, that will be kicking off on uh, July 1st. I know there's a, a, a big majority that's probably happy about this because for a while now, only baseball people could watch was the KBO, even though I think the KBO has been pretty fun to watch. But a lot, I think uh, people... <laughs> Don't want to, uh, can't stay up until one, four o'clock in the morning to stay up to watch, you know, some KBO bas- uh, baseball, KBO action. Even if you want to see Swole Daddy, people don't want to see Swole Daddy. They want to see the MLB version of Swole Daddy. But nevertheless, though, before we can even think about MLB starting up, uh, we're still seeing COVID-19 cases pop up. You know, we just heard about not too long ago, Rockies outfielder, Charlie Blackman testing positive and just multiple people uh, within the Phillies organization. Uh, testing possible uh, positive as well and there's you know a lot of things that you know a lot of unlike you know the M- NBA and the WNBA um, and the MLS you know they're they they the MLB won't be playing in a hub city they're going in, in hubs they're going to be they're going to be traveling you know they're going to be playing their divisional opponents about in 40 40 games between their divisions so if you're Philly they're in at least so it means the farthest you're traveling is possibly Florida, which is kind of scary. And then, you know, you're playing 20 games against the ALE. So the farthest you'll go with Toronto and the MLB, I think I read something that they still haven't approved things with Canada. So that's a whole different uh, animal there that they have to think about. And then you see reports about fans possibly coming back sometimes this season, even though the KBO has shown us you don't need fans. Just put stuffed animals in the seats. In my opinion. Uh, so we're going to get, you know, we're going to start. Um, we're going to start underway uh, with uh, with Nick. You know, Nick, you know, are you excited um, about the possibility of baseball coming back? You know, despite only being 60 games, we know there was a lot that was going on with the 60 games. You know, both sides really trying uh, to really, you know, really bantering back and forth about, you know, money. And the players did have you know, a really firm point in what they were asking for from these billionaire owners who just got more money um, not too long ago from TBS, you know, for, you know, uh, uh, for the playoffs. So just what are your thoughts about uh, baseball coming back? You know, they're not playing in the hub and they're going to be traveling and we're seeing cases. Just what are your overall thoughts about it? Um, I'll start like as a fan of the game. I, obviously, I'm a huge baseball fan just in general. Um, so obviously I'm gonna I'm excited. It's a little bit of a return to normalcy, I guess you could say. If it, when it comes back, um, it definitely will be interesting. It will be obscure is a word I would like to use for this season. Sixty games, no fans. It's gonna be different. Um, but um, especially I, I think that uh, it'll it'll give people a sense a sense of normalcy. Um, a little bit to see baseball back on their screens, even if they can't attend the games. Um. But overall, yeah, as a fan, I'm excited. Um, there's a lot of logistics going into it. Uh, obviously, there's been negotiations back and forth. Rob Manfred clearly um, kind of botched that a little bit. Um, and the owners have shown where they stand on certain issues and where they and where their uh, eyes are looking, especially into their pockets. Um, so it, it took a while. Um, it probably could have gotten done earlier. A deal could have gotten done um, in the future with negotiations going into the CBA and things of that sort, uh, I think that um, there's going to be issues that will arise, not just now. They did get a deal done, but uh, in the future it could arise with some problems. 
Um, some of the logistics with baseball, just purely the game. I just had a, I was reading an article on ESPN by some of the insiders, and um, we could see we possibly there could be a 400 uh, average hitter this year. I mean, it was something that it was brought up. I, I thought it was an interesting um, discussion. Uh, what are, what are, what is the best record going to look like? 40 wins, 45 wins. Could someone hit like the 50 mark? I doubt it, but um, it, it'll be interesting to watch that. Um, and with, with the local uh, team, Philadelphia Phillies, you know, I did a preview before the pandemic uh, hit uh, on Total Sports Live. You know, me and Harrison would talk about it a lot on our radio show at college and, uh, you know, talk about Joe Girardi. Like, how is he going to manage this team? It's a new team, new, new manager, Gabe Kapler's out. Uh, you know, you have Wheeler, their new signing, D.D. Gregorius. Uh, and then what was the Kingery and Segura uh, storyline looking like with Segura and possibly moving to third base, Kingery at second? So, like that, from the baseball perspective, uh, I'm I'm interested to see some of those things. Um, it's gonna be a different feel, especially with no fans. Um, but from a logistics standpoint, uh, in the real world aspect of it, um, with the testing, as you mentioned, Charlie Blackman uh, tested positive for COVID. A few a few members of the Phillies organization have. Um, I don't know how that's going to work out because, I mean, this, this virus is real. And uh, obviously in, in our area, it feels like in New Jersey, New York, things are starting to calm down a little bit. But I feel like in states like Florida, Texas, they're just hitting their peak now, it feels like. So uh, baseball is going to have, and not just baseball, all the sports are going to have a lot to deal with with the virus because there probably there will be cases during the season. I can guarantee that's going to happen whether they're asymptomatic or symptomatic, uh, it, they're going to have to, it's a real problem. They're going to have to deal with um, going into it. And they're going to have to know that. Um, and we'll, we'll see what happens. It's, it hasn't happened yet, but we'll, we'll see going forward. No, you're definitely right about that. And I'm glad that you, you know, you brought up about a lot about the logistics because we're in that, and that's going to be a thing that all these sports, like I said, are going to deal with the logistical thing that they have to, you know, worry about either, you know, rather that come down to, uh, testing rather that be, you know, you know, players, rosters. I think MLB, we're going to start off, I think, with 30 players. If I'm not mistaken, we're going to have, there's going to be a universal DH. But when it comes to testing, you know, there's, there, there, you know, players are going to get, players are going to get it. There, it's, 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 it's going to happen. And that's sad to say. And, you know, I, I read somewhere where there's going to be a COVID 19 inactive list. If players test or show positive system symptoms, but they don't necessarily know, um, they don't necessarily know how long they'll be on that inactive list because we've seen, you know, with this virus, it could take even to eleven to fourteen days for you to go through it. But even afterwards, you know, um, you don't know when, you don't know how that's, you know, going to, um, how that's going to. How that's going to play out, uh, Harrison? You know, what are your what are your thoughts about just everything that Nick, you know, just laid out from a logistics standpoint, uh, dealing with the virus, you know, and trying to manage, you know, trying to manage having these rosters and 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 just the whole entire thing because it seemed like for longest that baseball probably wasn't. It looked as if baseball wasn't going to be the was was going to be the only league that wasn't playing this summer. It looked like that for a long time. And then they kind of got their act together and figured it out. So they didn't want to be left in a bunch and in the dark because they seen the other leagues kind of get their act together. And it was like, all right, now we got to do something. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's literally been the longest offseason in baseball history, but there's just been so much that has happened for the sport of baseball this offseason that's been mostly a bad look for their brand. They really have not represented themselves greatly this extremely long offseason. So it was very good to see that they were able to get the deal done, reach a 60-game agreement, um, and tentatively get baseball back. But like Nick mentioned, like you've mentioned, um, there's still so much that has to be done logistically when you get these players into camp. Um, it's interesting that it'll be in the home cities. I think that maybe that could be a unique uh, comparison to the bubble city because there's just a smaller amount of people if it's just your team compared to the whole league. But um, there becomes other issues with that. Toronto's running into issues. The Florida teams are about to run into issues. Um, you know, this virus, it, it changes so quickly and, and things really just, you know, one day it's one thing, the next day it's another thing. So um, until baseball starts, there's going to be logistical hurdles that they're going to have to try to overcome. Purely from a sports standpoint, the 60-game season is definitely going to alter a lot with stats. I hadn't really thought about what Nick mentioned about the possibility of someone hitting 400 this year. Uh, that is mm -hmm. a very interesting. And how would that really be remembered in, in the Hall of Fame and the stat book? Um, you know, we know baseball is kind of picky about what records they, they do choose and what they don't. How would that slot in there? Will the World Series champion this year? Will they kind of have an asterisk? Um, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how people react to the shortened season. It's going to make baseball games way more meaningful, um, even early on, because game 10, I mean, you're already however many games through the season and you know there's only 60 games this year so you really do have to get it going quickly um it'll be interesting to see if people maybe only use four pitchers instead of five um i think that could be a unique advantage guys just won't have to throw as long uh throw as many innings over the course of the entire season as they usually do so that could be a unique way for teams to kind of get aggressive and could definitely help the phillies um we look at you know what their weakness was it was the back of the rotation who was going to be the four and the five that's kind of what people were worried about before this um coronavirus shutdown was how are the phillies going to look at the end of their rotation um so it, it's going to be a very interesting season in the mlb they have a lot to overcome i mean phillies players are getting covid charlie blackman um and, and players from all over the league you know safety precautions are going to be huge they're going to have to try to figure out ways to limit the spread but obviously in a locker room in a weight room on the field there's only so much you can do. So um, MLB has a lot to get done still, but it was very good to see that they were able to reach an agreement. Agree. It was great to see them, you know, come to an agreement and, uh, you know, where you're looking at, you know, other logistic, other logistical things that the league is uh, dealing with and uh, just, you know, is getting prepared for tonight's show. You know, read on CBS Sports that, uh, according to Jason Stark, the MLB has talked with the city of Nashville about hosting two teams of unsigned players who will be paid to remain in shape as potential replacement players because this is an option that we're that has to be floated around. We're already seeing it in the NBA where players might be replaced for various for certain things. And you mentioned the Phillies, you know, Zach Willer, he's I think he's made it clear in recent weeks or months that, you know, his wife is due with a with a, with a child. So and he's already said he's not going to miss that. So how do you, you know, replace the roster in there and, you know, and, and just overall roster construction and management is going to be a lot um, to dabble with and dabble on. And I know something that Matt brought up before um, before tonight's show, which I think is definitely going to be inter was definitely something we need to talk about is the strife over the start over, over the season, the, the strife and negotiations over over the season, you know, will it lead to labor unrest uh, when negotiating the new CBA next season? I think Matt 
I think he he has a lot to say about this and discuss about this topic. I think it's very interesting because we're seeing this not only in Major League Baseball, but even people thought about that with the NBA. Like, hold up, like if these players don't play, could the owners force their hand and say, "Hey, we you don't you guys don't play, we cancel the season." You know, maybe we go back, rip up the CBA, and we possibly go into and possibly go into a lockout. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I would like to say before I start in with my answer, uh, I'm rooting for absolute chaos this year. I'd like to see a Baltimore Orioles, uh, Miami Marlins uh, World Series. I mean, if we're really going to play this stunted 60 game chaos dimension schedule, we might as well go all the way with this thing. But um, the, the key issue regarding the CBA is that it's up after the 2021 regular and postseason. And what has transpired over these past several months with labor negotiations is that back in March, the players had initially agreed to prorate their 2020 salaries based on the number of games played. Then the owners tried to come back to the bargaining table saying that because there were no fans that were going to be allowed in the building, they would need a different revenue uh, system from Mm. the players. And the players union argued that because they had already agreed to prorate their salaries based on the number of games played, for their point of view and from their eyes, it was set and done, according to an article on CBS Sports that I'm reading. So over the past several months, uh, the players and owners have been going back and forth. And because of that, you've seen a lot of acrimonious negotiations, bad faith public comments, strategic leaks, you know, real kind of down low, backstabbing espionage stuff. And I think that when push comes to shove and they've got the chips on the table next year to negotiate the, uh, the collective bargaining agreement, I don't believe the players are going to be so 100% ready uh, to just run to that bargaining table and accept whatever, you know, whatever the owners happen to Uh, to want regarding the collective bargaining agreement. So if we see labor strife, it wouldn't be, I don't believe that, uh, that surprising or that out of the ordinary to see the players say, you were willing to sacrifice our health and well-being and keep us away from our families and our significant others, uh, for, you know, a, a stunted 60 game season of baseball. We want you to make good and make it up to us. And here's what we want. And I can't really imagine the owners, uh, you know, that bunch of skin flints uh, acquiescing to any of that because, you know, they didn't get to be mega millionaires, multimillionaires, billionaires by, you know, throwing money away. Uh, They, you know, they stuck onto it and they hoarded it. And so I think, again, what really worries me about the upcoming negotiations is that you've got, uh, you know, two very stubborn sides that both believe that they're in the right 100 percent have both made some valid points, and I just don't see an easy negotiation, especially knowing how badly Rob Manfred has punted this. It takes a lot of work and a lot of effort to usurp Gary Bettman as the worst commissioner of the four major sports, but Manfred has done a really good job of getting to that point this year, and I I just don't know if the Players Union would in any way, shape, or form want to negotiate with him when it's pretty clear in their perspective that he's not negotiating in good faith. So that's really what worries me. I knew there was going to be a season one way or another, but 
I think that what's brewing on the horizon, the storm clouds that are brewing on the horizon as a result of this lack of labor peace is going to impact the league, not just this year, not just next year, but for, I believe, at least the next decade to come. And that's kind of my hot take on this whole situation. Oh, no, that's I think I think that's a very valid point that needs to be discussed more. And I think we heard the players discuss that a lot. I think Trevor Bauer has been very vocal about this and very vocal about the role Manfred has played. Um, we know Blake Snell took some heat early. And uh, uh, I want to say a couple months ago, it seemed like they either just all mix it in. He took some heat for what he said, basically like, I'm not, why am I going to play when I'm not even going to get paid the amount that I should be getting paid and risk my health? Like, why, why, why do that? Why, why, why? And I think Bryce Harper co-signed and was like, yeah, he's telling the truth. You know, somebody had to step up and say it. Like, come on now, like, we out here risking our lives just to play and we're not getting the full pay. Meanwhile, it's going to be like, well, the owner's not getting the money. Yeah, it's, it's whatever. It's it's a moot point because the owners aren't risking their lives out in the field to play these games. The players are. Players got to go back to their family because they're not playing in a, in a hub city. They got to go back to their family. You got to interact with them. And they don't want to get them sick because now we're starting a whole <laughs> thing of tracing and contract tracing who was where, who was there. It's just it, it, it's just it's just a lot, and I think, like you said, we're going to see something you know take shape. You know, like I said, the storm clouds roll in. We'll see how it affects this season, but not only, like you said, in the future as well. And I know Adio had you know some points he wanted to hit on. So Adio, you know, what you got to say about all this? You know, before we wrap and head uh, to the hardwood. Now, it's no secret that when it comes to sports organizations, anything like that. I am more or less 100% always behind the players. Right. There was a there was a line that was said in the Jordan documentary. Um, the GM of the Bulls at the time was like, "Organizations win championships." That could not be further from the truth. Okay. These billionaires that own sports teams, right? <clears throat> they could have been. They could have been somewhat reasonable. And Blake Snell and Bryce Harper, I am 100% backing everything that you said in the past, in news about this. Why am I going to risk my neck for these millionaires and billionaires? Like, listen, y'all have no problem suspending a season because we as the players are making too much money and y'all aren't and the owners aren't making enough money. But when it comes to human health and basic common sense, now y'all owners are going to be like, oh, no, F that. We got to get this paper. Let's go. Like, no, that's not how this works. Like, you can't operate a league on that kind of bad faith and bad partnership like that. So it just it has not made sense to me really to restart any sports and the fact that they're going to try to do these in uh home cities we're seeing rises in texas we're seeing rises in arizona we're seeing rises in florida i don't want to go ahead and generalize it but hey let's face it most states with republican governors they're the ones getting the upticks now aside from all that I wanted, to, I wanted to pose a question real quick because I want to circle back to something um, Matt said. He wants chaos. He wants the Orioles against the Marlins. And he talks about somebody hitting 400. 
So let me just pose this. Let's say, is is there a difference between a team like the Yankees or the Red Sox or the Dodgers winning the World Series? Will that be more or less recognized and scrutinized as opposed to if it's like the Marlins or the Orioles or the Mariners or the Texas Rangers or something like that? Because you remember... When the San Antonio Spurs won the title in 99, the strike season, that franchise wasn't really validated until they won again in 2003. So you really have to think about how people are going to view the quote-unquote champion of the shortened season. I just want to see what you guys think about that. I agree. I think it's definitely going to have a little bit of an asterisk next to it. Um, Even if it's unofficial, even if, you know, in the record book it says – um, let's say it's the Yankees, Yankees World Series champions 2020. I think there will be a little bit of that asterisk, like, hey, it was only 60 games. Um, you know, we didn't get to have a full training camp or a spring training. Our spring training was all chopped up in March, and then we had to wait three months. Uh, I, I do think that this season will always be remembered as a little bit of an asterisk. Now, the NBA and the NHL maybe a little bit less because they've played most of their season. The seeding is actual, you know, pretty close to what it would have been. Um, bearing, you know, a couple more months of action. So maybe they'll have a little bit less of an asterisk, for, but for baseball, I think definitely. I would I would also add, not even just the world champion, like what about statistical data with like averages, OBP, like things of that na- nature, ERA, like that, that can have an asterisk as well. And like when you're talking about this season, like a guy going to the Hall of Fame, we know that baseball, right, the baseball writers always – look at statistics and they really really hone down on it and they're gonna they're gonna look at the 2020 season and be like hey he only played 60 games that's the only reason his numbers were like this so it's gonna have an art it's gonna i think it's gonna have an effect down the line when you're looking at champions and also hall of fame ballots too and building on what nick just said too think about the guys that are in a contract year and are you know looking to, to play for that contract it could be very easy for a team that's looking to bid for their services to say, well, you only played X number of games. Your stats were you know, completely inflated in that X number of games, and we don't feel like we should offer you, you know, X, Y, Z number of millions of dollars to play for us. Um, you know, For some guys who are looking to cash in on the free agency market, it's their last big payday before they start to decline. Uh, for some guys, it's you know, their... Uh, their first chance to really break out of their rookie deals and make, you know, the type of life changing money that they, you know, they first thought about when they were drafted. And I think that if we've seen anything from management in this whole situation, it's that they will take every single opportunity within their power to screw over any player looking to exercise their uh, labor negotiation powers. That's a good point. True. Very true. Free agency is going to be insane. Oh yeah, it's all it's all valid, and and, and I think, like you said, the, the the they're gonna they're gonna get guys are gonna get paid. You know, they're if you if you play well, you're you're going to hit big big bucks. But if you you know you fall flat on your face in sixty games, or you don't have a certain number of bats or things like that, like your, your value could really be shot down. And then we're going to look at, well, it's just going to end up being more, you know, labor issues, more money issues 
it is the, the cycle is just going to keep on continuing. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Like we said, spring training is supposedly uh, set to start next Wednesday. Next Wednesday is July the 1st. I can't believe it, folks. We're literally almost due this year. It's amazing how fast uh, time is flown by. But spring training is supposed to be uh, next week. We'll see if that happens and how you know teams proceed from there. Who's going to be on these 30-man rosters? How do they try to balance a DH? Do you bring up a bunch of minor leaguers to give them run in this shortened season, which I know has been a discussion um, you know, even with the MLB draft, you know, saying guys who are in college, do you bring them up now to in this shortened season because we're and we're playing we're, it's 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 a different time. So hey, we'll see what happens uh with the ML uh B. This is the Total Sports Live podcast here on Anchor. I'm Joe Von Alfred, joined by Dio Royster, Harrison Brown, Nick Earnshaw, and Matthew Cass and Fellas, we gotta talk about the NBA, and um, they're they're looking like they're dropping the ball with their restart plan. Uh, just like uh, with the MLB, there's been a lot of talks around in the NBA's restart plan as they'll be playing in Disney World for potentially three months. Yes, folks, Disney World that will be their bubble city where dreams come true. But I don't know, if dreams are gonna be coming true. Uh, the only issue with that is Florida is exploding with COVID cases, which is concerning a lot of NBA players. Uh, a lot of NBA players would play with, you know, and not having them wanting to play. And also they want to also keep the conversation going on systemic racism, uh, which things have players talked about. Kyrie Irving was in the news talking about it and his things, things that he was bringing up kind of got misconstrued. And that led to a whole different conversation. And in addition to that, we've also seen multiple players um, being that that have that have tested positive for the virus. Malcolm Brogdon, the Pacers, Derek today, uh, as we record this podcast, Derek Jones Jr. and I mean Heat, Jabari Parker, Alex Lynn. Um, it's a uh, it's 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 definitely it's definitely a lot uh, a lot there. And then we also heard about players sitting out, Avery Bradley, the Lakers, but he has a point, you know, about his family, and you know he's got a son. Uh, I think he said with, with respiratory illnesses and issues, if I'm not mistaken. David Bertans of the Withers. This is a guy who's potential. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent. And we talked about this in baseball, how, you know, make or break, you know, Bertans comes back if he gets hurt. This is somebody that has, come, has, has came back from already two torn ACLs. Uh, Willie Cauley-Stein, you know, he's going to sit out because I think his uh, it was reported that his partner, um, they're having a child, so that's you know that's great news. We see Trevor Reza; he's going to sit out. So a lot of players starting to come out and sit out. Um, there's issues with the bubble. It seems like players are wondering, you know, are workers going to be coming in and out the park? You know, players being away from their families. I know the Clippers proposed uh, something about having family be there earlier uh, with the players. And now we're talking about law enforcement to guard the bubble. When we know the NBA, the players specifically have been really making this case about police and police brutality with the African American community, with everything that's happened with George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, um, and just Ahmaud Arbery. Everything you know, Rashard Brooks. Just a, it's just a lot going on um, with the NBA. And I think the question for I just want you know everybody to talk about you know. Is, same thing about baseball, but this one I think is more present. More prevalent is will we see baseball this summer, and how do you feel about this bubble idea? Well, you know, uh, it's way down on the the list of things that are important about the NBA restart. But when they interview the Finals MVP, is he just going to say I'm staying in Disney World instead of I'm going to Disney World? 
I, I would think I, I would think so. I mean, I would I, I, I would think so. I mean, he's already in Disney World, so I guess be like, hey kids, uh, let's go to Epcot. So I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's the one. That's the one. Yes, that's like they can't say that we're going to Universal or we're going to SeaWorld. Like, staying here, staying in Disney World, right down the street <laughs> from from our rides. Uh, but yeah, that's that's a good one. I didn't think about it. That's crazy part. I did not think about that uh, just now until Matt just brought it up. That's crazy. Uh, Dio, what are your thoughts? Uh, piggybacking off, you know, what Matt said, and just in general about the NBA's restart plan because you know you cover uh, the Sixers for uh, Liberty Ballers. Just what are your thoughts about it? I've read, I saw that the Sixers will be one of the last teams traveling down to Florida on uh july 9th just you know just what are your thoughts about this whole restart plan and did the nba really have a backup plan because it didn't seem like it at all now remember when i said that i'm i'm bringing the realness to, to, yes. to this this is this is the subject i was talking about basketball is this my first love will there be an nba season yes should there be an NBA season? Absolutely effing not. And I will tell you why. <clears throat> Florida, as we've already discussed, is becoming a hotbed for COVID cases. Okay? Malcolm Brogdon, we found out, tested positive. The second best center in the NBA, Nikola Jokic, tested positive. For COVID in Europe and he's having problems getting back to the United States okay that really hurts the Nuggets chances don't get me wrong would they have beaten the Lakers probably maybe maybe not but here's the thing there's no need to restart any of these sports and especially the NBA NBA bylaw 6.23 states that if the season is cut short due to whatever reason before April, the team with the best record wins the championship. So the Lakers get a championship. Fine. No problem. I'm okay with that. Reassess, do a proper draft, free agent period, and then come back in October when things start to calm down and things start to settle a little bit. But no, they want to do this thing where they play a little bit of quote-unquote preseason and they jump right into what, however many regular season games they're going to play and then playoffs. So you're talking about end of September, mid-September for NBA Finals. Then you want these guys to turn around and come back two months later for another shortened hyphenated season. So not only you're going to get one shortened season because of the pandemic, you're going to get a drop in quality of the product because these guys will only have two months off as opposed to the regular amount of time they get off, which is about four or five months, and then play another condensed season on top of that. You're hurting the players. You're hurting the product. It's just a bad idea for the NBA to restart when they have a foolproof solution in NBA bylaw 6.23. That's, that's, been, that's my position. That's always been my position. 
And I'm happy to see basketball, but I'm worried about next year, this next hyphenated season. Not to mention what we're talking about, baseball. A lot of these guys are in contract years. The big names, they're going to get their money. The mid-level guys, not so much. And that's that's just kind of where I am. Yeah, mo- most definitely, Harrison. What are what are your thoughts about um, what are your thoughts about about what Dio said? You know about the uh, just like I said, even before the podcast. You know, we keep on saying about did they have a backup plan, and I keep on pitching. I say, hey, Atlantic City. You know, <laughs> they got the hotels. They got you. You brought the hotels. They got Boardwalk Hall. I mean, it's the the possible. Why not? Why not have that as a backup? I know Stephen A. Smith somehow brought up New York, and I understand why, but still, you still, you, you, I don't know about that. You know, people throughout Las Vegas. I think Las Vegas is the hub state for the NHL. We're definitely going to talk about that uh, coming up very shortly. But what are your thoughts? You know about about just the league coming back. You know the logistics that are behind it, and and what Adio said because Adio's right. He said, you know. The NBA doesn't really have to come back, and they shouldn't come back because they, it, it just doesn't make sense at all right now. Yeah, I agree with the deal. I, I think that it is just too early and too risky to really be putting these players back into facilities. Um, e- even the quarantine bubble, it's a good idea in theory. I understand the concept, but like the players are kind of concerned about if workers are able to come in and out, um, there is risk for transmission. And... and the fit bands idea or, you know, it's a good idea, but it's still just too risky. Even if, you know, it's a good idea for potentially telling a player if they get it, they don't want to get it in the first place. And they don't want to have to go through that illness and potentially put their teammates or their coaching staff or whoever through the illness. We have to remember some of these NBA coaches um, are older. That's something to think about as well for their health um, and their safety. I, you know, there's so much money on the table. It's the NBA playoffs. Everyone's got really nothing to do. The Last Dance was like the most watched documentary ever. Everyone's going to tune into the NBA playoffs. So there's so much money on the table. I understand where the league's coming from in terms of trying to get that revenue. But, I mean, player safety and player health has to be the first and most important priority for them and for every league, for the MLB, NHL, WNBA, NBA, everyone. I mean, the NFL, college football, uh, the list goes on. So it's going to be interesting to see how they go about it in these next few weeks. I don't really see how they can still do it in Florida. Um, It's just, it's too dangerous down there right now with them getting four or 5,000 cases a day. And it's the same thing for the WNBA who are scheduled to start their season in July at, um, at IMG Academy, the the high school um, out there in Florida. It's just with cases the way they are right now, I don't see how they could play there. Um, when cases were bad in the New York and New Jersey area, there was thoughts that the Yankees and Mets and the Phillies wouldn't be able to play here. So I just don't see how it would be practical to put an entire league, um, two leagues down there in Florida and, and risk all of those players' health and safety and the coaches and, and everyone involved. So um, they're going to have to really think outside the box. They're going to have to you know, consult with their team doctors, the national doctors, and, and try to figure out what the safe way is to do this because as they've started to gradually open clearly it's not working with players from every league college professional um, we're seeing a new player get covid almost every single day it feels like so they're gonna have to try to figure out some way to make this work and make this safer 
agree completely agree and uh nick you know what do you what do you got to say about all this because harrison's right like everything's going down in florida there's no point you know there's no point to you know have it you know down there he mentions wnba and img you know there was some even questions about that because it seemed like they at the first at at the it seems like they, you know, got the short end of the stick at the beginning because there are talks that the players, you know, they weren't while the NBA players are getting their own professional chefs and all this stuff. It was like WNBA players, we're gonna give you box lunches. Like, what? Like and they're gonna be in dorms and stuff on a high school on on a you know, on a on a major high school campus, but still it was like, hold up now. Like this is supposed to be the NBA counterpart in women's basketball and they're getting the short end of the stick, and it was just like, Okay, this is not going the way uh that we thought it would, but here we are uh, with the NBA and, you know, just and Harrison mentioned the fit bands. I didn't even remember, I forgot about that. They're going to be tracking players through that. And, you know, players can't intermingle with each other. They can come in to watch the games, but that's who can come in and watch the games at this point. It's, it's just a lot that's going on uh, with the NBA. No, uh, no, you're right. I was still, I was going over some numbers um, yesterday uh, in the United States. There's over 34,000 new cases 34,720 to be exact um florida is i i i believe florida is like hitting its peak like new jersey new york did a few months ago i think that the rest of the country is starting to like hit their peaks now um so uh they had five florida had 5k total new cases uh today and yesterday uh it was higher um I, I will say this uh the nba is going above and beyond um according to this article on sports illustrated by Ben Pickman, the NBA has told its players that it plans on using local, state, and federal law enforcement, plus former special operations forces, to help secure the league's bubble. Now, what if one of those operations forces have COVID? I mean, like you're you're honestly in a no-win situation right now because people people like you forget like you could be asymptomatic and not know you have it and spread the virus. So, I mean that, that that's an aspect that I I've seen. You know, Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to restart, uh, the way the NBA, uh, I think they could have done their job, but there's a lot of, like, like you said, Avery Bradley or guys that, you know, they don't, they're opting out not to play. So, I mean, these, these are guys that they're professional basketball players. They have their salaries. I mean, if they're not going to play, I mean, what's the point, but then you have the other side of the story when you, uh, Brian Windhorst of ESL was the overwhelming majority of players are excited they want to be there. So there are players that don't care about the fire, are going to go play no matter what. Um, I get it, it really just depends on how you're viewing it right now. Uh, uh, it, I, honestly, I'm a structure person, so seeing all this, everything's out of whack. It's really messing with my head a little bit, to be honest. So uh, having two straight shortened season, um, uh like we said earlier, uh, it's going to damage the product. It's, it's going to be hard on the players. Uh, so, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I'm a fan of seeing basketball back, but it's just going to be odd seeing all these sports at the same time. Yeah, it's really – I mean, I think of the four major sports, I think basketball is most in trouble simply because of the fact that they did pick Florida. And even though they'll be on the campus of Disney – even though they'll be sequestered uh, in that bubble, you still can't create a perfect 
isolated environment. You know, I, I just don't see them able to keep all COVID out. So I just worry yeah, that exactly. yeah. that it'll be like a, a big name star that comes down with it in the same way that I worry, like, for example, in baseball, that a Mike Trout will come down with it. You know, if LeBron James comes down with coronavirus, the NBA will have done an innumerable amount of damage to its reputation. If Zion Williamson comes down with coronavirus, John Morant, you know, you're betting with the long term health and future of the league. And I just think it's very poorly executed. Indeed, indeed. And um, I know Adio has a backup plan proposal that he wants to that he wants to bring to the that he wants the motion to the floor. So I'm gonna allow him to bring that motion to the floor. So point 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 of order. Um okay, so Florida, right? They have the they have the uptick in cases, right? Like four or five thousand a day over the last like week or so, right? So yeah, you wanna get all these guys in controlled of an environment as you can right how about a state that has had over 40 days of steady decline since this whole thing started right how about a city like philadelphia we have mm. we have temple we have the lycourse center we have the palestra at penn we have the Descalises. Uh, the DAC, sorry, I can't pronounce Drexel's uh, gym. Sorry, all, sorry, all of my Dragon fans out there. Um, you have three college campuses whose kids won't be back until September. You have all these dorm rooms, all this space. Why not do that? And then have the NBA playoffs at, oh, I don't know, an actual NBA arena like the like the Wells Fargo Center? that that to me works because you're in a state where like i said the amount of cases has been declining as opposed to increasing and you have all this real estate that you can play with how about sixers versus celtics game one at the palestra the cathedral of college basketball for that are you kidding me i would love it that'd be amazing that's not a bad idea, and I didn't even and I didn't even think about that. But you're right. Just looking at just looking at um just looking at that, like you said, Wells Fargo Center. You got Leah Cora. You got the deck. You got the Palestra. Shoot, if you even want to go up to Hagen Arena, if you want to put pe- put teams up there, you could put them up there. You got all the downtown with all the hotels and stuff. It's not a bad idea, and I think Nick wanted to jump in as well. Go ahead, Nick. Yeah, I want to I want to respond to that. Um, I I think that's not a bad idea because you know you see the cases dropping all. My my thing is with that when you have uh green like you know you have the governor having the green zones. I think in Pennsylvania the yellow zones. I I, I it's Philadelphia a green zone I believe now. Um, when you have that, I, I I think it's I think it's an idea of where there are still cases in the area and there still are new cases, and with more people starting to come out and not as much people quarantining anymore. I think that that would be the reason that it wouldn't work. And then you have the colleges also. You have to look at the logistics of where they're coming from. They want their students to be completely clean. They want to have everything clean when they come back in the fall for school. And they want to they, – I don't, I don't know how that could work um, in such a short amount of time. Uh, but, honestly, it, it could work. Uh, I just – logistically, I, I think – I don't know how 
um, it would come together. I, I see. I see your point about the kids coming back. I see. I see that. Now. Yeah. We are right on the buzzer of it too. I mean, they've only got less than a yeah. month to to make it work. I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, they're going to have to figure something out if they if they still are looking to play. Um, I don't yeah. think Florida is going to be an option, really. I, I do believe it's a better option than Florida, hundred yeah. percent. Just logistically with the colleges and and all, and then you have more people crowding in the city now. I feel like uh, it, I don't know. It, it would be tough. Javon mentioned tough. it. Atlantic City and Las Vegas. Those could yeah. be the top two contenders. I mean, any excuse for Boardwalk Hall to get some some national love, I'm all for it. It's been a long time since uh, there's been a sporting event at Boardwalk Hall. You know, yeah. shout, shout out to the defunct AC Blackjacks. But, you know, like... Rest in peace. Rest in peace. But, like, I, I like the Philly idea. We I know Stephen A. Smith on, brought up on first take, brought New York, and I'm just like, oh, my God, no. Like, I understand why, <laughs> but no. Like... Even though cases have gone down tremendously, and they, you know, but that's a very densely populated city. It's too soon. It is, and you would be, you would not only remember, we not only have that, we would also have baseball going on at the same time. Because remember, Yankees and Mets are also going to be playing. Um, Although, I will say five words NBA basketball at the Rucker. I mean, that could work too. I'm not. (laughs) you, You would be outdoors, right? Indoors. I think if the NBA <laughs> learn, learn, learns anything from this is that they should get more creative with where they play arena-wise. Like, a game at Disney would have been cool, like, two years ago, just in general. Yeah. I think they should have did what the NHL did, had different bubble cities to choose from. That's what they should have did. Yeah, that is smart, too. If that had just pinpointed on one thing, and we know yep. that you got the NBA and Disney and Disney tied in with ESPN, ESPN, ABC, the media, can, you know, the money that's all surrounded all up in that. It's a lot of money uh, tied up in there. Philly, like I said, Philly's a great option. AC, Las Vegas, New York, not so much. I guess you can have teams playing in Brooklyn and teams playing at MSG. And I think maybe you have teams playing across the river at the Prudential Center. But I don't know. I don't know if they want to bring back those vibes. Basketball vibes back to the Prudential Center. Go Nets. <laughs> it would be nice to see a good NBA team at the Garden, though. There you go. <laughs> That's a shot. will finally be there, Knicks fans. <laughs> oh, man, man, oh, man. This is the uh, Total Sports Live podcast uh, here on Anchor. We got a couple more uh, couple more topics um, here on the docket before. Uh, before we wrap here, we got to talk about the NFL, so let's get into it. Like I said, the last couple, the last podcast we did before we talked about uh, talk about George Floyd and Black Lives Matter. We talked about the NFL and the NFL draft, the, the virtual draft. I think was back in April, and that seemed like it was a huge success for the league. Everybody was talking about like they did a good job, minus the people that was doing the graphics saying all the bad things that happened in people's lives and. You know their parents and all that stuff. That was a little bit. That was a little bit cold, and we shouldn't have been talking about those things. But they did. Um, however, um, reality's coming back in the focus for the NFL now. That you know with about possibly playing games, and we already saw the league cancel the Hall of Fame game and the entire ceremony. That's being pushed back to next year, I think, the 2021. Um, ESPN's Adam Schefter reported that owners approved a proposal today to cover seats closest to the field with sponsors of logos. Oh, what a nice, great way to keep on making money. Even though the NFL brings in a lot of money as is, let's just keep on bringing in more money. Um, the NFL e, uh, EVP said 
to also today that teams have been advised that training camp is expected to open on a normal schedule. I don't know how normal training camp is going to be when you're going to have 90 guys possibly on a roster in one area. I don't know how that works. Um, and then we also have Malcolm Jenkins, who was on, um, who was also on CNN um, today, talking about the possibility of the league uh, coming back. And he, you know, essentially, he essentially said um, that he essentially said um, that that you know that football is a non-essential business, and we really and we really don't need it. And he's and he's got a and he's got a point, uh, you know. He said, "Until we get a, he said, until we get to a place as a country where we feel safe doing it, we have to understand football is not essential business. We don't need to do it. The risk has to be really limited before we, before I would feel um, comfortable going back. The NBA is a lot different than the NFL because they can actually quarantine all their players, whoever is going to participate. Like we've been talking about a lot of the bubble type situations. He said, we have over two thousand players, even more on coaching staffs. Um, we can't do this, you know. In the story." On uh, Yahoo, I want to say Yahoo Sports, it says Jenkins said he's worried about his family members like his parents getting sick if he's exposed to the virus. He said we end up being on this trust system, the honor system, where we have to hope guys are social distant, things like that. And that puts all of us at risk. Um, This is another situation where leagues are going to have to make decisions on... um, on on what on 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 what they should do. There's a lot we know in the NFL. There's a lot of money tied up into a lot of things, and the NFL loves making money. We know they love making the almighty dollar. All they see is green. They don't see nothing else. They just see green most of the times, and we already see that with them putting logos on seats with covers. I mean, that ain't telling you that they'll just take the money. They'll take the money. But Harrison, I'm going to you first. You know, what do you um are do you agree with what Jenkins said and how? And just in general, how can a league think about playing when we've seen other football leagues? You personally, you know, a part of a football league, you know, the the um the NAL, and we've seen the IFL, we've seen the CFL, we've seen the XFL even cancel. How can the NFL think about playing when we've seen these other leagues not even take the field? Yeah, we did just go through it with the NAL. The question becomes, how on earth do you socially distance on a football field? The answer exactly. is you don't. There's no possible way to socially distance on a football field. And as gloom and doomy as it is to think, if one person on that football field has coronavirus, you know, how many players are going to get it? You figure at least the players on the field. You don't want to assume. But, I Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just there's a lot of danger to playing football this year. It's a great sport. Don't get me wrong. There's always danger to it. There's another element to it this year. Um, Like Malcolm Jenkins said, there is absolutely no way to quarantine everyone. And even if you do quarantine everyone, if one person gets it and you go out there on that field, you're running into a real problem. Um, It's just logistically, it's going to be a nightmare for football. I mean, golf has been able to kind of do their thing. NASCAR has been able to do their thing. Um, You know, different sports, you can kind of socially distance just naturally tennis tennis will be fine this year but with football i mean it's it's a contact sport you're right up against each other every single play um there's no way to socially distance on that field you can't wear a mask under your helmet um it, it is going to be a real challenge for them uh, dr anthony fauci had said earlier you know a few weeks ago uh, he doesn't see football playing this year i think it's too early to predict anything right now um you know if we've learned anything throughout this pandemic in terms of just trying to predict things it, it's kind of impossible um, with this one, it seemed like people kind of thought it was over and now it's back in other places. So um, really have no clue what the world will look like in September. I know that 
they're going to do everything they can to play football. It's the same as every other sport. There's so much money on the table. Um, there's so much of a difference between playing and not playing, especially when you talk about TV deals, mm-hmm. um, people that come out to those games and pay crazy amounts of money for tickets, for great tickets, for those front row tickets. They're going to have to be covered this year. Um, teams are already going to lose money this year, right. but you know it, it's about kind of limiting the damage that they're going to take. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see what they wind up coming up with. Football is honestly the luckiest out of the crew because they have so much time to observe and prepare. I mean, the MLB has been up against this deadline all spring. Like, oh, my goodness, we have to get this done. We have to get this done. Um, football has been able to kind of kick back, see how the pandemic plays out. They haven't had to say, you know, because baseball was like, well, the Mets and Yankees probably won't be in New York this year. Now it's like they will be. I mean, the Giants and Jets have never had to even really consider that because there's been so much time. And, and now New York is one of the safer places to be. So um, football has the luxury of time. The, those, these other sports do not. And, um, you know, I, I think they're going to bed from that college football, too. What I kind of start to think about is what about Division One AA programs? What about Division Two programs? What about Division Three programs? Right. Are they going to play this year? I yes, highly doubt point. it. I highly doubt it. And that really changes a lot for the um, the draft landscape, for the recruiting landscape. JUCOs mm-hmm. obviously are, are going to be in the same situation. They're probably not going to play NAIA. So how do you recruit these D3 guys, you know, if there's – you know, it's going to all come down to combines and there wasn't even pro days this year. So it's going to change a lot for football's um, draft landscape this upcoming April. If D2 schools and D3 schools and, and you know, the mains and, and you know, the UPenn, the Ivy League, if they all don't play football this year, it's going to change a lot for those seniors. Yeah, the, the trickle down effect is, you know, the trickle down effect in general is going to be real. And we all know, I and mean, it's something that's been, I think that needs to be reiterated a lot that we don't we don't guide the timeline. The virus dictates the timeline here. And like you said, the NFL has the luxury of waiting, but again, you know, it's hard to, you know, socially distance on a football field, Matt. It's just, it's, it's not easy. It's, it's not. And there's no pub city yeah. either. Yeah, no, I mean, I do believe that the NFL will play this season, and the reason is, if decades of concussion research isn't enough to derail them, I, I yep. highly doubt that Good a once-in-a-lifetime global pandemic will be the, the thing that Facts. causes them to, you know, to reevaluate. But with that being said, more so than any other one of the four major sports, you can't escape contact in football. So they are going to have to say, okay, we're mandating, you know, special shields on all the helmets and everybody's got to wear long sleeves and everybody's got to wear gloves and, you know, uh, no huddles. Everybody's going to have radios in their helmets so the coach can communicate with them from a distance, you know, stuff like that, that I think they're going to have to do in order to minimize as much contact as they can in a full contact sport. Uh, I do think like you both have noted and had Harrison had brought up, having the extra time to say, okay, we're going to observe what works and what falls flat on its face from baseball, basketball, and hockey is going to be an invaluable resource for, you know, for the NFL. But with that being said, you know, you can study all you want. When push comes to shove and your chips are down on the table, you have to make decisions as a sports league. And if you make the wrong one, it really comes down to how comfortable are you putting the lives and likely, you know, livelihoods of your marquee players 
on the line. You can always replace a scrub, and I know that sounds callous, but there's, you know, for every guy that's at the bottom of the roster, there's 20, you know, indoor football and JUCO and D1, AA and D3. You know, it's an ecosystem that replaces at the bottom much more effectively than it does at the top. So I think the league, and this is, again, it sounds callous, and I recognize that. I think the league, as much as they don't want to admit it, would be comfortable sacrificing some of the smaller caliber players, you know, not the not the megawatt stars. But, you know, if they if they lose an Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady or a, you know, a, a Derek Watt, TJ Watt, JJ, Watt, any one of the Watt brothers, take your pick. You know, if they lose one of those marketable faces, Saquon Barkley, Carson Wentz, there's I mean, it's a star driven league, not as much as the NBA, but it's certainly there in spades. And so if they have a number of stars go down, because again, you can prevent as much as you can, but you can't prevent everything. And I think coupled with their inaction on concussions and their inaction on that whole field, uh, I think if they lose a number of very public players to the COVID-19 pandemic, I think you're going to see a tidal wave of criticism that not even the shield can dodge. That's a that's a very that's a very good point. And um in the deal, you know, what do you got to add to this? Because I think everybody's laid out, you know, great points. And and like Matt said, you know, players can be you NFL can't afford to lose their mega players. And 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 if when they play and if if and when they play. They're willing to risk, you know, the smaller players because, like Matt said, the ecosystem will be replaced somehow, some way. There's always the next man up that will take that will take that bottom, that 53rd, 51, 52, 50th roster spot. Listen, I'm just going to say it right now. If the Eagles lose Greg Ward Jr. to the coronavirus, season's over. Like, that's it. Just forget it. That's all. Just that's it. Um, I'm glad that Matt brought up the point where the NFL really didn't give two rips about concussions, right? So if they didn't really care about that, what really made you think they were going to be like, okay, you know what? Concussions is one thing, but you know what? A a global pandemic, maybe we shouldn't play during one of these things. No, that was totally going to happen. Come on. Um, And then Harrison brought out the point that even Fauci was like, yo, this this isn't feasible. You're talking about 53 guys on a roster and then however many coaches and staff. And then I was reading something the other day, or it was forwarded to me by a mutual friend of ours, Jovan, that the NFL is going to leave it up to the states to decide what arenas do and do not get fans. How is that should not even be a thought. Like, I'm sorry. Number one, you know, putting people in harm's way. But number two, that's a serious competitive advantage to a lot of teams, unless you're a team like the Chargers, who, you know, they don't really have any home fans. But anyway. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> God I just don't get Folks, it. We, got, we got jokes on the podcast here. I just, I just don't get it. I don't understand why owners now are taking this hard line of, Yo, I know it's a global pandemic, but you know what? We gotta keep this we gotta keep this show going. We gotta keep getting this paper. Like, why now? Like, you're not doing anybody any favors right now. I've been perfectly content with KBO baseball and 
English Premier League Soccer. Shout out to the 2019-2020 EPL champ, Liverpool FC. You'll never walk alone. All right, moving on from that. Had to do that. Um, I just, it, it makes no sense to start these leagues. It makes no sense because you can't control. Uh, Jovan made the brilliant point. No one, we do not control this virus right now. The virus is controlling us. Until we get a vaccine late this year or early next year, which is, again, what Fauci said is hopefully is cautiously optimistic. What does it hurt to just postpone this until 2021? There's no real, like, no one has given me a tangible, beneficial argument to starting these sports other than the owners are going to keep making money. Because that is not a point I want to hear. The Olympics did it. I'm I'm sorry, but, like, y'all made your money. Like, y'all ain't struggling, okay? A lot of these players aren't struggling. Yes, the mid-level, the lower-level guys, they're going to struggle because they're not going to be making a whole lot of money. But these owners, excuse my language, but F those guys. I'm sorry. I hate to be a hard-line stancer like that, but F these owners. F them. All of them. No, I mean, that's a good point. I think that's been the consistent theme, you know, throughout, you know, throughout, throughout, you know, today's podcast, which is the players are getting screwed here. <laughs> the owners are the only ones that are ending out here. On the winning, on the winning edge, on the, on the winning note, and like Harrison, you and like Harrison just said, you know, even the Olympics postponed themselves to 2021. If the Olympics, which is a huge international sporting event that has tons of money to be made across the board everywhere, if they can take a break, why can't the NFL take a break, the NBA take a break, or any of the leagues take a break? If the Olympics is saying, you know what, guys. We're going to chill out on this. When we back in 2021, does that mean we'll also get the Winter Olympics in 2021 too? Because that would be like super dope to have like the Winter Olympics and then smack dab. We'll have the Summer Olympics like right after it. I'm just, you know, just an idea that crossed my mind uh, there. They postponed the Olympics, okay? They didn't even postpone the Olympics during World War II. You hear what I'm saying? And these and these athletes in the Olympics take four years off at a time anyway. This is crazy for their training. Now it's a fix that they have to wait to get back out there. It's been insane. And they announced a few days ago that um, if the Olympics aren't able to be held next year in Tokyo, like if if by summer 2021 it's not all right, um, they're just going to wind up having to cancel them and, and just move on. That's the, 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 the best logical idea. And Matt, I mean, not Matt, excuse me, Nick. Uh, any final thoughts before we uh, go into our last topic, which is going to be led by Matt, and that is the NHL? Um, yeah, just uh, one thing. Like going along with uh, what you guys said, uh, with Dr. Fauci, what he said, I'm going to tell you right now, the NFL doesn't care what he says. They're going to play, it seems like. Yeah. They, the owners want to play. Yeah. Goodell, I, I think the NFL, they're, they're going forward. So it's going to – if they if they want to postpone the season, they want to have the correct uh, – things in place uh you know regulations in place uh the players are gonna have to push back that's that's really that what is gonna have to happen they have a lot to look at right now they have the nba they have the nhl they have the nlb they can look at how they went about restarting their season they have tons of time so there's no reason for them to fumble it if they do um there's gonna be a lot a lot of criticism towards the shield i can guarantee that 
Definitely, most definitely, most definitely. And this is the Total Sports Live podcast here on Anchor. And we got one more topic here to talk about tonight, and that is the NHL. We had to save the best for last. And it's funny to say that because the NHL, out of all three, out of the all three major sports, they have been the best to do everything. Um, Gary Bettman has surprisingly risen to the ranks as one of the best commissioners in the league, which is ama- in, in sports, which is amazing to say. But hey, when you got Rob Manfred and running things in baseball, it's not such a high bar uh, uh, there. But Bettman and company has done a great job. They did a whole TV special. I want to say, wasn't it, I think it was late last month. They did a whole TV special where they broke down everything how supposed to go and, you know, the hub cities and how the playoff format is going to break down, which I really think is really cool. Much better than the NBA's set of playoff Um of playoff of of playoff format, I think it's a very very good idea the way they um, broke it uh, broke it down. But you know, we still got to talk about where the hub cities yet don't really know. I think they whittled the list down to six, and three out of the six are in Canada, so that's interesting. Um, we've seen a lot of players come down with COVID nineteen, including Austin Matthews of the Maple Leafs, and can they keep players safe? This is another thing. How do we protect players in do they have backup plans? Who's going to be replacing players? Do they have replacement player rosters? I mean, there's a whole lot to talk about. Um, starting off with you, Matt, just, you know, what are your thoughts on just how the NHL has handled have handled everything and where they, you know, and where do they go from here? Because it seemed like they have been the ones to kind of lead the charge and actually have everything planned out correctly to a T. As somebody who has booed Gary Bettman on numerous occasions... I will begrudgingly give him credit for putting forward the most comprehensive plan of the four major sports. He has created a round-robin system to help determine seeding. He's weighted the draft so that a team that loses in the, you know, the opening play-in round can't automatically have a chance at the first overall pick. He's picked out hub cities that uh, especially you know, designed and formulated to provide the most security for players. Um, The NHL of the four major sports, I feel like has done the best job, but it's not perfect. As we talked about Austin Matthews, megawatt star for the Toronto Maple Leafs. was apparently diagnosed with COVID. Uh, That is a big issue. The NHL has previous experience with a viral outbreak, and they didn't do a great job of handling it. Um, They had a mumps outbreak that spread through numerous locker rooms uh, several years ago. Uh, And Sidney Crosby, one of the faces of the league, actually came down with it in Pittsburgh. Uh, So if they couldn't protect from the mumps, which spreads far less virulently uh, than COVID-19, I'm not 100% sure that they can keep everybody safe. Because at some point, somebody's going to have to come in the bubble and bring food. Somebody's going to have to prepare it for the players. Somebody's going to have to do this and that and dozens of other menial tasks that'll help the league season resume. Uh, when players win the Stanley Cup, they're not going to come out of the, you know, the bench. They're going to have to resist the urge to dogpile on each other after winning. Uh, the handoff of the Stanley Cup's probably going to look a lot different if it does get awarded this year. There's a million and one things that, you know, are going to be majorly impacted uh, by the resumption of play. But I think the biggest thing, and I wonder if the NBA is going to have to grapple with this as well, will they have to shift 
the start of the regular season back permanently to late December or early January. I mean, you can't expect dozens of teams and dozens of players, especially the teams that make it to the Stanley Cup final, to turn right around for an October start. That is completely untenable. There's no way the, like, the Players Association or the collective bargaining agreement would in any way, shape, or form hold up to that type of scrutiny. So at that point, if you're really hell-bent on finishing the season, you are going to have to push the start of the next season back to allow for free agency, to allow for the full draft, to allow for training camps. And while I think it might be somewhat smarter for the NHL to do that on the front end, because they could start off the season with the Winter Classic, a marquee event you know, that draws even casual hockey fans, I just don't think it's going to be worth it on the back end, especially with teams like Las Vegas and Tampa Bay, who are both dominant now uh, in the league. The further you go into the summer, the worse the ice quality is going to be in the southeastern, southern, and southwestern United States. That's just the, uh, the name of the game. And if you have a play in the Stanley Cup final that is decided by crummy ice, you know, somebody gets slushed out of scoring a goal or, you know, somebody loses an edge because the ice is melting under the, the heat of the Vegas sun at 100 degrees, and then somebody's able to steal the puck from them and score. You know, people are going to cry foul forever. It's going to be one of the biggest controversies in league history. And so I think the space that the NHL occupies on a regular timetable is more than sufficient. I almost don't want to see them restart this season simply because if they do, my worry is that they will irreparably damage the balance of the season. Uh, I don't believe they can keep all the players safe. And what's interesting about the dynamics of hockey, like I talk about the marketable stars, but it's more of a team-focused game than I think almost any other sport out there. You know, when the players are in interviews, they talk about the we. They talk about the we. We did this. We did that. Um, There's a very team-first mentality there. And... I think if a team were to lose a key piece, even if it happens to be a fourth-line grinder, you know, even if it happens to be one of the members of the top penalty-killing unit, it's going to be extremely hard for them to recover from that loss of a player. Uh, it's going to be making the journey through the Stanley Cup playoffs, which are already one of the more grueling uh, you know, tests of uh, heart and character in all of sports that much tougher. And an interesting parallel here, in 1918-1919, when the Spanish flu pandemic was at its height, the NHL was playing in its championship round. And I believe it was the Montreal Maroons versus the Seattle Metropolitans, and I'd have to double-check that. But the series had been tied at two games apiece when several players on both sides were stricken with Spanish flu, and the goaltender for one of the teams actually passed away. At that point, they decided to not award the Stanley Cup, and the official demarcation that you can read on the bowl to this day says Stanley Cup not awarded, series tied 2-2, or something to that effect. So it wouldn't be the first time that the league would have to make this decision, and I just hope that when push comes to shove, and they're really, you know, you know their chips are down, 
they'll look at the history of the league. They'll look at the history of prior decisions regarding pandemics and they'll say, we can't in good faith or good conscience go on. And I would hope that the fans of the various teams are mature enough to say, we understand, we accept that there will not be a resolution to this season, and we are getting ready for next year. Good point, good point. I think you you summed it up all. I think you ran down everything that's going to come with the NHL and, you know, the various things and issues that they may or may not um, face. Um, Medio, what do you have to add to that? So I, I like I like what Matt had to say about um, fans, and I would like to make that plea to like all sports fans. Like, look, sports aren't going anywhere. Okay, like the majority of us need to be like, okay, there are things that are going on right now that are bigger than sports. Like, sports needs to take backseat until we get some of this cleared up. Right. Second point, um, he, he, we go back to Gary Bettman being the worst commissioner in all the four major sports. The way he's handled this, though, getting the NHL back to a point where it could start. Basketball fans, football fans, baseball fans around the country should be allowed to have their commissioner just in a in, in a bracket system like they did in like the 1700s and every fan of those sports with those commissioners should be allowed to take turns kicking them square in the ass because if Gary Bettman is running circles around you three that's kind of a problem since he's been screwing up so much over the last I don't know decade <laughs> But at least he got this right. Unlike the NBA, the NHL didn't shoehorn itself into one specific locale. They said, okay, here's a list, and we'll go down this list and be like, all right, this city's good, this city's good, this city's not good, this city's not good. They had options. And I think that's what Bettman did right, number one. The ability to have options and different ways to go about it if plan A, B, and C didn't work. I don't know if he's at plan D, E, or F, but hey, at least he's got those plans in place. If I recall correctly, the NHL is going straight to the playoffs. If so, that's another smart move. Why even play extra games? I wish the NBA had done this. Forget the regular season. Forget like some kind of preseason before the regular season, just go straight to the playoffs. That was brilliant. Okay. Less time, um, less game, fewer games, fewer tolls on bodies in a shorter amount of time. Perfect. Okay. Gary Bettman handled, did this 100% correctly. It's like not perfect, but again, he's not out there just like, and I'll, I'll say this. Nobody ever wants to be that first MFer to do something. Like, you want to see how other people are screwing up so that you can correct the problems. So, Rob Manfred's kind of on the, he, he's kind of on the hot seat right now. But all these other sports, basketball, hockey, football has the biggest advantage because they're going to start the latest. But football, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, 
the NFL is going to have to maybe think about taking some cues from the NHL. I never thought those words would exit my mouth. I didn't think I would have to spend breath saying that. But here we are in 2020, and, you know, 2020 is weird. What can I say? Yeah, 2020 is definitely weird, and I think it's a very... um... It's a very interesting time that we're that we're that we're all living in, and like you said, we necessarily don't, you know, we don't need sports. It's a sports is a luxury that we all have, all have and had, and you know, it's not, you know, it's not the, it's not the end of the world. You know, um, there's more important things. <laughs> there's more important things to think about during this time, and also you got to think about the players that are putting their lives, you know, out there, you know, just to play a game so we can sit there and watch, you know, it's not like, or we're not like we're living in the countries that, you know, we're not living like South Korea where you can watch KBO or not, you know, in over in Europe where, you know, playing the English Premier League or in New Zealand where they're able to have sports fans because they were able to tamper and contain the virus and the spread of it. And we haven't done that yet. So it's a lot that a lot of these sports leagues are going to have to, um figure out and a lot that they're going to have to deal with and you hope that all of them make the correct decision if that means not playing then so be it i know that's going to be tough for a lot of people that depend on these jobs more so you know people that make you know sports writers am i right about this stuff or even people that worked in these arenas and say well damn these are not coming back to arena i'm going to you know pay to for you know family food and all that stuff it's a, it's a, it's a lot that's all worse than this big old conundrum but you hope people do take heed follow direction and you know maybe and just do the right thing in this situation we don't need sports sports that sports is a want not a need i think that's the best way to uh, sum it up and you hope that each league takes the correct proper um steps we're talking nba nhl mlb nfl wba nwsl um to throw the basketball tournament you know all these things mls they take the correct steps because you don't want to end up in a situation where you're playing and then you have to stop. Because if you stop, if you stop after you start playing, there's no reason to come back. Just shut it all the way down. Don't even think about it. Come back next year and do it all over again. But uh, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Total Sports Live podcast. I really thank uh, everybody for tuning in and checking this out. Uh, like I said, if you missed this podcast or any of our previous ones, you can check it out on Anchor at anchor.fm slash I want to say it's TSL podcast I believe I want to say so but I'm not exactly sure it's been a minute since I've said that so yes. I hope I'm right there TSL there podcast thank you, <laughs> thank you. we're also on Spotify um, as well if you just go on Spotify and search Total Sports Live uh, TSL podcast you can get all our all our episodes there as well and we're also on other various uh, streaming platforms as well so if you miss it hey if you miss it, you got no excuse if we're on because we're everywhere. We're on everywhere. So I really appreciate everybody for tuning in. I thank Matt, Adio, Nick, Harrison for all joining uh, joining me tonight join, and you know having this discussion. And hopefully we'll be back in a couple of weeks to see where we'll be at with sports. Who knows? Maybe we'll have sports to talk about. Maybe we won't. But if not, you already know where we'll be at. Total Sports Live. TotalSportsLive.com. At Total Sports Live on Twitter. Um, Thanks again for everybody for tuning in and we'll talk to you guys, you know, very soon. Have a good one.